Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Female Founders Network, a podcast brought to you by invoice to go I'm your host, Nat, and I'm joined by my co-host, Sylvie. Hey, everyone. We record our show in the Forbes Street studio in downtown Sydney, Australia, but we bring guests from all over the world. So you'll hear people from the U.S., the United Kingdom, Europe, the Asia Pacific, anywhere that we find women who lead and inspire others. This is a great podcast for women who are navigating business ownership, leadership, or just life. Each episode should connect you with someone else's story, but also leave you with practical tips and advice that you can use in your own life and in your own business. Today we're speaking with Jasmine Irving, a yoga and meditation freelancer and co-founder of Ardea Creative, a health industry-focused creative agency. Jasmine shares her wisdom on managing chronic illness while running a business, building a health and wellness brand, and using the authenticity of your experience to help others. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Jasmine. How are you today? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Uh, good to hear your voice. So Jasmine and I have a really funny story about how we met. Um, we were both studying the same yoga shala uh, years ago, and I'm, I'm a mum, <laughs> as you all know, and Jasmine uh, had gluten issues. And so I was like <laughs> taking care of her and feeding her and making sure she was okay. And I remember the day I had to leave, I was like, I, I pulled another girl and I'm like, make sure Jasmine has this and this to eat. She needs this. <laughs> it's in the market. <laughs> Ooh, so this is in India then. Yeah, it was Ooh. in Goa. Yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> but your life has just exploded after that. So tell us all about your journey. I'm so excited to hear it. I've just been watching it from afar on social media. <laughs> well, I, since I was young, since I was born, I always had an absolute like fascination and love for nature, writing, traveling. Um, so as soon as I finished university, I did a degree in English literature and media studies. Mm. Um, I left for a solo trip around France to do woofing. Have you heard of woofing? No. no. What is that? <laughs> it's a, <laughs> it sounds a bit funny, doesn't it? But it's a worldwide organic opportunities on farms. So it's cool. where you stay with organic farming communities. Yeah. And you do exchange. So food and board for working on the organic farms. Oh, beautiful. Um, wow. Well, and, and you left what? Yeah. Where did you grow up? Just so everybody knows. Oh, yeah, sorry. I grew up in Newcastle in the Newcastle. north of England. It's near Scotland. I've actually been there. I studied there. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> We're Newcastle well, veterans yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah, it's a lovely little town. I love it. Wait, so how did you find out about wolfing? My dad and stepmom did it, actually. He got made um, redundant from his job, so they decided to go away for six months and they woofed around Europe. Wow, awesome. you have the coolest parents ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So so you finished your degree, you decided to go woof. Is that the way you say yeah. it? Woof? Um, yeah, I woofed. You woofed. And then what happened? Um, so then I, well, I was learning more about permaculture and sustainability. Um, and I ended up going to Reunion Island, which is next yeah. to Madagascar. Yeah. Um, and I started doing some au pair in there, some woofing. And I taught English for a couple of years Um got fluent in French and started running and attending some women's circles in French because I've always been very interested in um, like living cyclically by the moon and by my menstrual cycle. Yes. So that was really beautiful. And then that's when I ended up coming um, back home very shortly and then to India to study yoga. But I've been interested in yoga since I was about, well, I went to my first class when I was 15, which would be about 
um, I can't do maths <laughs> 12 years ago. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and my mum was always into yoga as well when I was, when I was growing up and into like crystals and spirituality and nature and all yeah. that stuff. So, Amazing. What does it mean to live cyclically? What, what, what do you uh, mean like living by the moon? I'm really intrigued because I feel like you do have like a natural, your energy flows like throughout the month. So I'm just wondering if that's what it is. So the idea is that you can follow the moon and when it's in its darkest phase, the new moon, um, you're probably going to be more like wanting to retreat inwards. And that can symbolize the menstruation as well. When you go into this little cave and just need to kind of be alone and nurture yourself and then the full moon is often related to um ovulation so that's when there's this high energy this creativity you want to maybe get up and dance and connect with people Um, and obviously that works pretty well in terms of fertility because that's when Mm. you're most wanting to connect that way as well right it's like a time of deep like celebration and intimacy yeah that's so beautiful i love that so wait you discovered this when you were like 15 what? <laughs> well, when I was like even seven, I used to talk to trees and just frolic around oh. in the forest. And <laughs> wow, it um, took me until I was like thirty-seven. <laughs> no, wait. So I, this is really spooky. So I've been feeling really tired and withdrawn the last couple mm. of days, and I just checked, and it's a new moon tonight. So is that why? Mm. <laughs> it could be linked. Yeah. Getting ready to regenerate or something. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So you ended up in. Um, Goa on the same yoga retreat as Nat. Oh no, it wasn't a t- retreat, was it? it was, it's a sh- yeah, it was yeah, a shala. Yeah. So you, you it just was had a training, teacher training. Yeah. Cool. So um, you did that, and then how did you turn that into a career? Because from what I've seen, um, you've done quite a lot with it. So after you got certified, what happened? So after I got certified, I came back to Newcastle, my hometown, mm-hmm. um, and I was lodging with a really good family friend, so had a really nice base. Um, and then I started working up in my freelance career as a yoga teacher. So I started off just doing classes here and there, building them up, whilst uh, waitressing in a vegetarian cafe at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then I started just going to more and more places I'd start one up at a local dance school at different community centers at the um gyms and at yoga studios and I just ended up maybe teaching about 12 classes a week and then doing my shifts um in the cafe and I was also doing bits of freelance writing at the same time so it's quite busy I was going around town on my bicycle and yeah (laughs) doing all these different things and you were Um, building up quite a social media following during this time if I remember correctly like after we left you were quite active on all of your social platforms yeah I started seeing it as a kind of way to document um all the things that I was learning along the way because I also then signed up to do another teacher training um in Newcastle at this really great studio that I'm working at now called yoga therapies and that Mm. was very in-depth um as we looked a lot at trauma and um the nervous system and the role that that plays and embodiment practices, somatic healing, like all these different things that gave me a a really solid grounding into like the science behind yoga. Yes. Yeah. 
That's beautiful. I actually had a friend who just got a master's in, in the science behind yoga. And really? It's, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forget exactly what the master's is in, but her study, her thesis was in the science behind yoga. Oh. And it was so interesting to see, like, what it's actually doing to your mind. Yeah. With, mm, like, breath yeah. work and stuff and how it calms mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is amazing. What's your advice? Yeah, it all some- starts, I was just going to say, um, it all starts to make a lot of sense as well, because I was experiencing all these different things on the yoga mat, but I didn't understand it, um, like why it was happening. So yeah. obviously I'd go to a class, I'd feel generally more calm after less stress, less anxious. But when I started to look into the neurobiology behind it and the physical impact it's having and the mental impact, I was like, oh, it all makes sense. There's a reason behind all of these practices. Yeah, right. It makes physical sense. It makes scientific sense. Like yeah. we knew it made yeah. emotional sense, but it also makes scientific sense. So, yeah, exactly. um what did you, well, from what I remember, like you had like severe health things going on too when you went to the shala and you were kind of just persevering. I mean, it's one of the strongest things yeah. I've ever seen, to be honest with you, you know, just kind of persevering this like third world country, you know, getting up and practicing every day. So what was that? Like, I just want to focus on that for a minute because some, it just takes amazing determination. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've got chronic health issues um, and that kind of has been my life is just persevering. Yeah. And there's, sometimes I wonder about the balance, like it's very hard to know when to keep pushing and when to stop and rest because mm. um, I guess because my body isn't necessarily like fully healthy, it can, I can deplete myself so easily and mm. it's sometimes hard to know when I tip the balance off a bit more than I should. Um, but generally I'd say the determination helps to keep me really like happy mentally and positive mentally um, because I need a sense of purpose. Even if, I'm, even if I feel awful physically one day, I'd still like to have like some greater reason for something to do. Yeah. yeah, we had someone in our Facebook group recently ask a question about how um, people deal with running their business while having kind of chronic health issues yeah. and what, what people's advice was around that. What what would you say to someone who was struggling with their health issues but obviously wanted to grow their business at the same time and, and how you balance that? I think you have to be so flexible and really can't be attached to plans. Um and I'm lucky as well because my business partner, she's like really flexible with me too. And if so, if a meeting needs to change, we'll just change it. It's kind of like I, I've got a good clear boundary of when I can work and when I can't. And my body will just tell me if I can't and I have to just listen to it. Like there are moments where I, I, sh- I know I shouldn't push through. Mm. Um, and I'm starting to learn that more and more and more the more I get to know my body. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I love that you've like taken this challenge, you know, like your health problems from a young age and turned it into some, like turned it into your own beautiful journey, but then also use that to project outwardly so that if people are going through something, whether it's physical or or mental or emotional, you know, they can kind of use you as a really a grounding person to watch and follow someone who's already doing it. Yeah, I also in India, which I didn't even understand at the time, but I was going through PTSD. Mm. Um, So alongside all the physical stuff, there was loads of mental stuff going on as well that I just wasn't fully comprehending. Mm. Um, 
and that and yoga has been an absolute like anchor for moving through all of that. Do you know what's interesting? I found because I had a lot of huge mental shifts during my time in India too, which coincided with yours. Um, but I think that India itself as a place somehow brings like the things that are under the surface, like those emotional mm. things to the top. I don't know okay. if it's like the spirituality of it or like being surrounded by people who are facing yeah. their truth and helping each other. Yeah. But it's, I found that it was like everything from the bottom gets dredged up and you have to face it. Wow. Yeah, and I guess that's what the practices of yoga and meditation really are. And that's why yeah. they can be so challenging. They're not necessarily there just to go and sit and with a smile on your face and be like, oh, I'm so calm. Like a lot of the time it's horrible, it's messy, it's really difficult, but mm-hmm. you show up anyway imperfectly. As a yoga teacher and a health, you know, you're, you teach meditation, yoga, you know, what is the biggest challenge as a teacher? I mean, do you find yourself taking on the the emotional burdens of others or do you find yourself like you know what what do you what's been the biggest challenge in that journey Hmm, I was quite a sponge so I've learned a lot to not be like that now and to trust people as well that they're they're Mm. responsible for themselves and they know what they need and it's not actually my job to fix anything for anyone else Mm. um so I think I think the biggest challenge with yoga teaching is actually a bit of a personal one is that I can't seem to go to a class without wanting to like plan what I'm going to do in my classes. <laughs> so I'll go to some, <laughs> anything I do for my own well-being. There's a little like analytical part of my brain that's like gathering ideas and planning. And I'm like, Shh, go away. This is my time. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to calm down and enjoy. That's amazing. So, okay. So you've built this yoga um, kind of freelance yoga business where you're teaching all kinds of classes. Um, and then what happens next? Yes. So what happens next is my really good friend from high school, actually, who I ended up going to university with, Olivia. She was in Brazil. Her mother's from Brazil. Um, and she was, uh, Olivia was living in Brazil with a community in Florianopolis, an island. And she invited me out there. She was telling me all these beautiful, interesting things about them where they do these eye-gazing workshops and they dance in the forest amongst the, like, organic whatnots. And it just sounded like totally my type of thing. Um, (laughs) I want to do that right now. (laughs) (laughs) Can we just go do that? (laughs) I need a week of doing that. Okay, keep going. (laughs) Me too. So I went over there on a one-way ticket um, and just turned up and she collected me from the airport and she was marketing manager of this place which was called Rosemary Dream it's a retreat center Mm. um and I ended up working on her team um as the writer the social media manager helping with the marketing and I was also it was my first time teaching yoga on retreats so I'd gathered all this training I'd gathered this experience um teaching it at home and then I took it into a retreat setting which was totally different and I really loved it because you could go so much deeper like you were bonding with these people every day and forming real understanding of their lives and what's brought them here and what they need from the practice and it could be very tailored um as opposed to having like a really full class of people just coming in from work and then dashing out again yeah Um, yeah I think that the community changes it massively. Like, if you think of when we were studying in the Shala, it's like everybody just wanted to take care of everybody, you know, and you felt such a deep connection. It's like people get that in a mini way on a retreat. Mm -hmm. You get, like, this mini Shala experience in, Mm -hmm. you know, for a week or whatever. 
Did you then want to do your own retreats? Yes, I did. Um, but I also wanted more experience. So what happened next was, well, me and Olivia just worked so well together. Like we just bounced off each other. We were constantly inspiring each other, yeah. constantly coming up with ideas. We just loved it. And then we thought, whoa, why don't we like do this? Why don't we see what happens? Why don't we like partner up? Um, she's a visual designer. She's a brand strategist and I am a copywriter. Mm. So we just thought okay let, let, let's create something of our own and that's when Ardea was born um it's actually a really nice story of how we came up with the name we were sitting by this, this like lapping turquoise water in Brazil <laughs> and we couldn't think what to call it we're like how the hell do you name something this is like naming a baby in a way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then this beautiful heron just flew down beside us and just stood on this rock and looked over us and we're like oh look at the symbology of a heron bird so we looked it up and it was all about following your own path and and having like the bravery to do what you knew was right for you and it just fit perfectly so we looked up the latin which was ardea and that was that Oh, beautiful. Wow. That's an amazing story. <laughs> that is an amazing story. And you're such a beautiful writer. Like, it's everything. Like, she's got Instagram cra- captions that have made me cry. Aww. Like, it's, it's <laughs> you have such a beautiful way of just like being so honest and vulnerable. And it's like, I, th- I think that's just amazing that you kind of recognized your own talent, saw the talent in someone else, and then kind of gained the experience by building your own brands and then opened it up for other, for clients, which is an amazing way to build a business, right? Because Ardea is your creative agency that you run with Olivia, not the yoga retreats, right? No, no, it's, so it's a, um, yeah, it's a creative partnership helping entrepreneurs to, um, bring like their big ideas into the world through things like branding, design and writing. Wow, that's awesome. How do you balance running that with the yoga teaching? Have you got any tips about like, time management? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a constant work in progress. I'm currently very excited about um, my colour-coded planner that I've just bought. And then me and Olivia <laughs> got very ex- <laughs> We realised you could do it with Google Calendar. We, we've got a merged calendar and then we started colour-coding that and it was like the best meeting ever. Um, <laughs> but also... The split has changed quite a bit because when we started our day, I wanted it to be more of a sort of 70-30 split with the majority of my time going into teaching yoga. But mm-hmm. since COVID hit, it's completely flipped. So now I'm spending much more time with our because of lockdown and everything, been working from home. Um, there's only so many Zoom yoga classes you can run before your eyes go completely square. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Yeah, it's it's been really good, actually, the shift and doing more day work because my business partner, Olivia, was kind of shouldering the responsibility a lot before that. And it feels much more balanced and in flow now that we're more equal in terms of how our timing goes. So are, do you focus your clients on just the, the spiritual and like the health related brands? Like what kind of what's your twist on your agency? Because it, it looks to me like it's very much like spiritual health like you do a lot of that kind of stuff kind of lots of different types of people but the one thing they seem to all have in common is they all have the same values they're all working towards a more sustainable way of living and business they're all they all care about making like ethical responsible choices with their business they're basically all trying to have a really good impact on the world and change up the power structures um yeah so we've got dance teachers embodiment facilitators coaches Mm. um all kinds of people 
It's it seems like so it seems like you're helping these people build their personal brands too. So like it's a personal professional brand kind of mix. Yeah, that's actually a good point. That seems to be what they have in common as well as they bring so much of themselves to what they're doing. It's really their heart and soul's work. Yeah. Um, so I feel so honored that they trust us with that, that they come and tell us like their biggest dream and then they put it in our hands to help them with it. Like that's such an honor. Mm. Yeah. It's 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 amazing that you were able to, you know, um, change the split from more um, yoga teaching to Ardea during this year with the pandemic. What was your challenge in finding, or did you have a challenge in finding clients this year? Did you feel like there was a bit of difficulty with the pandemic around? Um, surprisingly, we didn't seem affected in that way. It was more behind the scenes of having to manage our own um mental health and the way that the the pandemic has been affecting everyone and then Mm. still show up at work and still get to the at-home desk and still like try and bring as much value as you can Mm, that was kind of the biggest challenge I can relate to that yeah it's everybody yeah it's so weird how being stuck at home can tire you out Mm. you know exactly it's just you you lose your energy and motivation because every day looks the same. Yeah, and definitely mm-hmm. and the feeling of uncertainty and lockdown and not knowing like mm. how Yeah, and that's exhausting. Yeah, that's what I found really hard and you, you find it quite hard to concentrate I think sometimes when, it, yeah. when, it's, when it's like that. How did you or how are you kind of overcoming that? Are you, are you doing a, a type of meditation? Um, I'm doing a centering practice every day so I kind of just go and sit in in a nice little spot I've made in my room and I close my eyes and put on some music and just land in my body feel the ground beneath me those types of things um I've also been journaling as well but it's also just taking each day as it comes and not giving myself a hard time if I don't do the things that I've thought I was going to do so even when it's habit building like I say I'm going to do this every day but if I don't do it for three days in a row that's absolutely fine it's mm-hmm. it, it's a really intense time and yeah just trying to be quite like compassionate towards myself yeah I think that's a really beautiful thing that I've discovered about you during this interview is that you're very kind to yourself and 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 good to yourself and and not getting yourself down is is really important in and staying on top and, and feeling, you know, getting through hard times. Yeah. I think it's a really inspiring and good advice for anyone listening who's struggling at the moment to just take a step back and centre. Yeah, I guess I, I will point out as well, thank you, that's a lovely reflection, um, that I wasn't always kind to myself and that the very reason I've become so kind to myself is because I used to like be doing things like been drinking, taking drugs, taking like far too many drugs to the point of just being in a terrible state. Mm. Um, And I had like a really self-destructive streak. And so this whole lifestyle that I've built now has, is the flip side of that. It was like a point where it's like, you've got two paths you can go down here. You can destroy yourself or you can build yourself up and learn how to be kind. Mm. Yeah. Would you, was that when you were young, you had like all of these issues with Drugs or yeah, like binge consumption? 15 to 21. Oh my goodness. Wow. Was that when you were like first diagnosed with your stuff or your health problems? I was first 
diagnosed 18, but I was having symptoms since I was 14. So it remained undiagnosed. So yeah, there was ongoing health issues. And you didn't know what it was. Yeah. No, I didn't have it clear. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, a lot of young kids, like if they're exposed to that stuff and they have something going on mentally or emotionally, they they do stuff like that. They do, Mm. you know, underage drinking or... Yeah, stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And you kind of have to grow and learn from it. So especially in the UK, there's kind of this massive like I'm sure it's like this in the US and I can see it in Australia too. But growing up in the UK, I can definitely relate to the like binge drinking culture being so kind of uh, ingrained in society there. And it's like Mm -hmm. it's cold. So you just go to the pub like that. That's how Mm -hmm. people socialize. And it's I feel like now there seems to be a shift in how um how people are approaching drinking. I've definitely noticed it on social media that there's like a, a culture of, um, you know, having being sober and, and that actually being fine mm-hmm. and not feeling I have to drink at st- everything. It's definitely something that yeah. I've done this year. I've, I've really kind of cut back on drinking. I didn't drink for eight months mm-hmm. and it felt nice to like switch my lifestyle. And, and like you said, mm-hmm. you can go down one path and choose the path of <laughs> destruction or building yourself up and it's good to... It feels good to be on the other side of that as well. Do you have mm-hmm. a drink now or are you completely sober? No, completely sober. That's beautiful. Do you ever feel like there's pressure from people around you to drink or do you just not feel that anymore? No, I don't feel that anymore because I'm just so 100% clear that it's the right choice. Because the thing is, I, I learned that I wasn't the type of person that could just have one drink and that mm. was the problem. Mm-hmm. And that was so clear and so obvious that I was just like, there's no messing around with this. I have to have a limit. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. Like some, some, It's funny. Some people can just have one drink, be fine, have two drinks, be fine. And then some people like feel that taste of... Mm kind of intoxication and go all the way and it's almost like mm-hmm. you don't have control over which type of person you are like yeah. it's just yeah. you either are one or the other so mm-hmm. I don't know the science of it and I'm not going to make bold scientific <laughs> claims but I swear it's like right. people's chemical makeup is just different so right. things just affect different people in different ways and like yeah. I agree there's, there's there's some people who like just shouldn't drink and I think mm. it's great when when people then don't because they recognize that in themselves and right. do something more positive. Yeah. It's probably really mm-hmm. helped your business as well. Would you say? Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your body is truly a temple. Like you're truly recognizing and honoring what it needs, you know, like helping mm-hmm. it heal in all aspects and also not doing things that will harm, you know, your recovery and your continued health. So that's, that's a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing. I mean, that's brave in and of itself. <laughs> in the world we Thank live you. in. <laughs> are you planning on doing any more retreats um, again in the future or are you kind of waiting to ride out the pandemic and see what happens? Well, so after Brazil, I ended up um, teaching on somebody else's retreats in Peru and also mm-hmm. in Romania. Mm-hmm. And then I teamed up with um, a lovely, lovely co-creator called Australia in Peru and we ran our own retreat and Olivia my Ardea business partner actually came over to teach some workshops there as well so that was really lovely combining them together was just magic Mm. Um, and then we were all set to go and do more of them we even had ideas so I was all set to run more retreats in UK with this partner that I had in Peru plus me and Olivia were thinking about doing an Ardea retreat that was like linking well-being and business yeah um but then oh. all those ideas just went like to one side whilst the pandemic hit. We um 
we cancelled what was set for the UK and um, everything's just sort of laying there in a, a big Google document. Yeah. That is a brilliant idea, though. I would 100% come to a well-being and business retreat. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, that's what, that's really how we like run the business ourselves is it's uh, well-being is as much on the to-do list as anything that we've got to do for our clients because we just know that we're not going to be any use to anyone if we're running on empty. Mm. Absolutely. I think it's, I mean, more and more businesses are catching on, but if if you could give, you know, advice to businesses or maybe people have not thought about well-being or how their well-being relates to business, like what have you learned in your journey about, you know, your own personal well-being or like your client's well-being, um, you know, and how it relates to their business performance? Mm. What's been really interesting actually is there's a, there seems to be a sort of unspoken rule that you don't bring your emotions to work. Mm. And I feel like that is shifting completely. And like so many of the clients that we work with, they'll be so honest with us about where they're at and um, and we'll be honest with each other. Me and Olivia, when we have our meetings to check what we're doing for the week and everything, we'll usually start by checking in on how we're feeling that day. Um, and just something that simple, just feeling heard and and getting anything you need out of the way before you start work. It's like emotional hygiene. It's like having a shower. Um, yes, that's amazing. So. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Thing. Emotional hygiene. <laughs> yeah. Like if you take a shower to go to work, why don't you cleanse yourself emotionally? Yeah, and removing the stigma yeah. from that with your business partners so that you can feel open and honest. Do you feel that you're more comfortable to do that as well because Olivia is one of your good friends from school? Or would you feel comfortable doing that with clients as well? I was going to say yes, because she's one of my good friends from school. But um, then I was thinking, actually, we've managed to do it with a lot of clients as well. We can mm -hmm. be pretty honest with them where we're at as well. So I think the more we've learned it with each other, that's been such a great starting point. That's, then we can open that up to everyone else as well. We've had practice. Yeah. Mm. I know we've asked you for a lot of advice today, but is there any <laughs> advice that you'd give? We have a lot of like fitness instructors, wellness professionals, people with wellness brands. What advice or last minute, you know, takeaways would you give to people trying to build their own wellness or, or um, health brand? I think um, just don't be afraid to show up imperfectly like people are, are sick of the polished perfected version mm. anyway we know it's not real so like it's fine to show vulnerability it's fine to say that you've struggled that day like people actually connect with with honest human flawed people yeah um and I'd also say as well like just look after yourself and ask for help when you need it because I wouldn't be where I am if I hadn't committed to my own well-being and sought out support like I look after myself as though my life and business depend on it because they actually do. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is such good advice. Yeah. Honestly, it sounds obvious, but it's groundbreaking. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I mean, a lot of the reason, like when I was trying to do my little yoga thing on the side and, you know, it's just, it was kind of like my fun project. I was never a full-time teacher or anything, but I remember I would follow all of these like aloe yoga girls, mm. you know, the aloe yoga girls mm -hmm. and they, <laughs> they just, they can twist in like unbelievable ways. And then also they all have like the absolute perfect, like bikini model figure. Mm -hmm. And it like, 
it destroyed me. It like destroyed my, like seeing that constantly mm. in my feed, I felt like I was never good enough. Yeah. And yoga is mm. so, that, it started to go against what I started doing in the first place. So yeah. it's like that taking care of yourself and just being imperfect and allowing yourself to, and kind of like getting rid of anything that makes you feel like shit. Yeah. There's a whole, <laughs> such good advice. There's some amazing essays that I read about how Instagram yoga is so far removed from what yoga philosophy is all about and how it's quite damaging. Yeah. That's mm. so true. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. It was so good reconnecting with you. I'm so happy to see that you're doing so well. Yeah. Thank you so much for reaching out and asking me to be on this podcast. I've been really inspired by the episode. So it's an honor. Oh, thank you. Um, are, are we doing the meditation thing? Can we mention that or no? Oh, yes, we will be doing a meditation. Um, it will be on our Facebook group, the Female Founders Network. Um, led by Jasmine, um, we will announce that on the group in the coming weeks. So make sure that you're tuned in on the group and um, you can hear more from Jasmine and feel calm and relaxed afterwards, I'm sure. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, Jasmine, also, that the group is probably a really good place for you guys to find clients, to be honest. Um, oh, right. Just because there's a ton of people like trying to start their wellness brands and stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, so I would reach out and just say like, hey, we're our day of creative. If any of you are like, I would probably put like a post in there if I were you. Mm-hmm. Because they're mm-hmm. always okay, like you. hiring each other. You know, like everybody's oh, always hiring good. each other. Yeah. yeah. It was so good talking to you. Yeah. We can say goodbye for real Yay, now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> bye. 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 Thank you. Talk soon. This podcast was brought to you by Invoice2Go. We're an invoicing and billing app that helps business owners work and get paid from anywhere at any location around the globe. We're helping close the gender-based pay gap. Because the current U.S. pay gap sits at around 19%, listeners of the Female Founders Network podcast get exactly 19% off of any subscription. Just enter the code EMPOWERWOMEN at checkout.